Hello, welcome to episode 21 of the Bewildered Dad podcast. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It has been, what, four weeks since the last episode? There's been a lot of stuff going on. I've been to Lithuania on a stag do, my brother's stag do, which, as a 37-year-old dad now, I've realised it's not really the done thing to be drinking solidly for three days. I can't do it anymore. She's taking it out of me. Although I was quite happy to go on the stag do to actually get some sleep, pretty much the only person that has ever done that, I'd imagine. And there have been other things as well. It's a busy time. It's busy. All right, that's my excuses out of the way. I will try and make this slightly more regular. There'll be another one coming up in possibly a couple of weeks, maybe three. Who knows? I've got another couple of things to come up. Hey, you know, I like to keep the audience wanting more. That's what I'm saying. On today's episode, there are children writing into the Financial Times to call them on their gender stereotyping. I went to see Macklemore the other day and I've realised that I am the Macklemore of toddler bedtimes. But first of all, here is the Bewildered Dad News. BuzzFeed has delved into the archives to reveal Republican presidential hopeful Donald Trump's attitude towards parenting and fatherhood. It doesn't make pretty reading, and as you're about to find out, doesn't make pretty listening either. The casino magnate referred to men who change nappies as acting like the wife before describing his child-rearing style as I'll supply the funds and she'll take care of the kids. Nice. Uh, Trump's paraded his five children who are aged between 10 and 38 in front of the cameras during this campaign to secure the Republican nomination for president. But it seems despite their glowing testimony on his fathering, he wasn't particularly hands on. Uh, He was asked this in 2005 on the Opie and Anthony radio show about whether he changed nappies. And this is what happened. You're going to be a new father again in the near future? I am. do am. Do you actually change diapers? No, I don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> He's not good. Not one, right? No, I don't do it. It's not my thing. I, you know what? I'm a good father, but that's not my thing. And, and Melania's going to be a great mother. Yeah, but it's no yeah. one's thing. But we no, but some women, well, it, it, to a large extent, it's up to the women. There are a lot of women out there that, you know, demand that the husband act like the wife. Yeah. And, you know, uh, there are a lot like of husbands this. that listen to that. So, you know. It's just the idea that he thinks men who get involved with their children... Uh, just doing it because they're told to, I think it says a lot about him and how he thinks of his kids. You know, Donald, some of us actually enjoy it. Uh, in the same year, he also had this chat with Howard Stern, which is just unbelievable. And you're going to have more kids? I think so, yeah. Really? Believe yeah, sure. I would. Why do you need that headache for? Because I like kids. I mean, I won't do anything to take care of them. She'll take, I'll supply the funds and <laughs> right. she'll take care of the kids, right? And then so what, it's not like a big deal. You know, it's not like I'm going to be walking the kids down Central Park. What, are you gonna feeling have to like a, you have an empty nest or something? <laughs> well, Marley used to say, I can't believe you're not walking Tiffany down the street, you know, in a carriage, right? Yeah. I'm going right. to be walking down Fifth Avenue with a baby in a carriage. Is, and it just didn't work. Is Melania is very, very self-sure. I mean, she'd be an amazing mother. Right. And she's self-contained. She doesn't need you involved. In- she would take care, great care of the child without my having to do very much. Such a clever question at the end from Howard Stern, because he makes it sound like a reasonable question. But obviously, you know, oh, she's self-contained. She doesn't need you to get involved with your own children. It's a damning thing to say. And Donald Trump 
didn't even notice that, which you would think, well, if he's going to be negotiating with people around the world and he didn't notice that, that is scary. And I know, you know, Donald Trump's of an age where maybe people had that kind of attitude. There were those sort of sentiments. But he wants to be the leader of the free world, the leader of the free world. He'll be responsible for family policy, in, in fact, all policy across the USA. And he's no more emotionally mature than, do you remember that that bloke who filmed himself changing a nappy and go and like essentially trying to th- stop himself throwing up? It's like just nappies are a thing that goes with being a dad and being a mum. It's it's not nice, but come on, get over yourself. Seriously, very, very scary reading and listening from Donald Trump. And thanks to BuzzFeed for telling us about that. This is the Bewildered Dad podcast. It's episode 21. You want to find out more, go to bewilderdad.com. There's Twitter and Facebook and all that jazz as well. Now, I've already talked about Elsa's favourite bedtime books, some of which she's heard so many times she can recite them back to you. I also mentioned that she has a four-book limit at night. Then she has to go to sleep. I mean, she's meant to have a four-book limit, but the reality is actually quite different because loads of evenings I creep downstairs thinking I've got her to sleep. She's listened to all the stories about buckets full of dinosaurs or talking teddy bears that she can. Within seconds, though, I turn on the monitor and I hear the familiar sound drift from the tinny speakers. One, two, three, daddy! One, two, three, daddy! That is what she does to get my attention, and it does, of course. And I try to let her settle herself, but, you know, sometimes she just has to hear another story. Sometimes you have to go back because she's obviously getting upset, and I don't want her to be upset, obviously. Um, At that point, what I tend to do is bring out the big guns, namely Michael Rosen's We're Going on a Bear Hunt. We're going on a bear hunt. We're going to catch a big one. What a beautiful day. We're not scared. It is the ultimate toddler book, and even the irrational mind of a two-year-old realises at the second time of asking, it's not going to get any better than this. This is the ultimate. I need to go to sleep now. Let's start tomorrow with a clean slate. I have tried reading it first, but it doesn't seem to have the effect. Um, Parenting, turns out, not that easy. So I've been struggling for an analogy for this for a while. It hit me when we went to see Macklemore, the uh, rapper, the other day. Uh, Brilliant concert, by the way. Uh, Leeds Arena. Um, But he did that fake encore thing that bands do. Now, in the early 90s, the Mary Whitehouse Experience did this sketch about indie popsters EMF leaving the stage at the end of a gig, the crowd baying for more. And in the scene, they were backstage going, oh, what else can we do? What have we forgotten to play? Oh, what's that song? Unbelievable, yeah. Which was obviously the real EMF's one massive hit. But it's a, a dig at bands who purposefully keep their fans waiting for the big song going off pretending that that's it for the evening just so they'll cheer so they come back on again. Now, nothing much has changed in the intervening intervening 25 years. You'll still see your favourite artist step off stage in a low-key manner, suspiciously early, waiting for that outpouring of chants and cheers to persuade them to come back on stage. It's a weird ritual. I don't really understand why 99% of bands do it. I went to see Nick Cave a few years ago and he'd struggled through the whole gig with a throat complaint. He put on a really good show, but then he went off and, you know, if there was any sense of peril about whether he was coming back, that was kind of ruined because as soon as he went off, a stagehand came on and put a lemsit by his piano and you think, well, yeah, he's probably going to come back, isn't he? But this gig I went to, Macklemore, Amazing, stunning performance, 
But he went off before he played Downtown, which was the big lead single from the latest album. You don't need to be question of sports, Sue Barker, to find out what happened next. Obviously, came back on, performed it, brought the house down. But it dawned on me that that plays out every night in our house. I'm Macklemore. Elsa's the raucous Leeds crowd at the arena, and she's demanding I come on and fulfil my obligations and read We're Going on a Bear Hunt by Michael Rosen, which in this metaphor is the dance floor banger downtown. And I'm willing to bet that that is a comparison that has never been made before. This is the Bewildered Dad podcast, episode 21. Thank you very much for listening. This is a letter that was sent into the Financial Times from a 14-year-old called Anna Schleiter Nielsen who said, Sir, your front page report on April 20th is headlined Millennial Mums Going Gaga for Organics Spark Johnson & Johnson Rethink. Surely it's not only mums who are concerned about baby care products, but also fathers who might be offended that they're not mentioned. It is 2016 and parenting is generally regarded as a shared responsibility. It's disappointing you're reinforcing the stereotype that it's a woman's job to look after the children. Could I suggest you bring your editorial policy up to date? That is a cracking letter. Well done, Anna. Which sort of, I mean, kind of makes the role of dad bloggers almost irrelevant because you know she's just summed it up in a couple of paragraphs what we're sort of fighting for we're fighting for people to kind of realize dads take a lot of responsibility nowadays as much as they can in a lot of cases you know i certainly try to and i know a lot of people i know do as well and you know there's stay-at-home dads who in fact you know are there with the kids all the time it's just a different world from how it was even 15, 20 years ago. And Anna has hit the nail on the head. 14 years old. The Financial Times has issued an apology as well and just said, we don't often get letters from 14-year-olds. Not a surprise. But when we get them, we do listen. And they've, for the online edition of the paper, they changed their headline and they've accepted that they were wrong as well. So congratulations to her. I think that's a cracking letter. And um, yeah, I can't add anything to that because that is very succinct to the point, but I'm still waffling on. You've come to expect that from this podcast, though, haven't you? Thank you very much for listening. Make sure you go to bewilderdad.com and subscribe to this podcast back in a couple of weeks' time.